hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. We're amid some hysteria and we are discussing a planet of fire. Um, so, how are we feeling about it so far? Joe? Oh, hello. Um, well, I'm enjoying it immeasurably. I mean, I don't know if we've talked about once what's on the screen, but we've certainly talked about all the elements of the story and a lot of other things as well. We just had a 20-minute discussion about all the masters. It's absolutely fabulous. I'm having a great time. And as ever with you three around, I have to do very little work. Over to you, Dave. I'm feeling much the same. I can't. I don't know what on earth's going on on the screen. <laughs> but I've been enjoying myself immensely talking about masters and shorts and all sorts of other things. Well, I've lost interest now that Perry's put her clothes back on. Um... <laughs> um uh, no yeah it's i'm enjoying it i think yeah and with um as i think what's been said so far is that we it looks good and the the cinematography of the uh, the location filming um which i think i I mentioned on on our um twitter dms about um in the in the um documentary uh fiona cummings said she was glad that she had johnny walker with her and I thought she had, um, you know, secret bottle of whiskey because working on Doctor Who <laughs> makes you turn to drink. But it turns out she was talking about the cameraman, John Walker, who I think does a, an exceptionally good job mm. of uh, making Lanzarote look like an alien planet. Did you hear the story about Eric Sward, who was whinging that J&T was always off? Yeah, yeah. And so J&T went, right, you can go and do the recce in Lanzarote with um, Fiona Cumming, and apparently had a miserable time. Early starts, they got lost. They didn't have any water. It was too hot. And JNT said it was a salutary lesson. Yes. As he jetted off to yet another convention in the States. <laughs> I think doing a recce for a location and going to a convention where you're lorded up are two very different yeah, things. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure he had something sort of moaning about to JNT when he came back. Though it's not the fault of you, John. I was up early and and he's made a lot of money out of it since. Well, not a lot of money, but however many documentaries he's done. Oh, hang on, there's a quark being waved in our face. I should like to point out that Quickie the Quark is here, Daniel Knight. And if you say more rude things about Perry's boobs, he's going to shoot you. All right? <laughs> okay. I haven't this said is anything a family rude. podcast. I've, been, I've been appreciating them. Well, appreciating <laughs> her. This is the most heterosexual this podcast has ever been. I, mean... <laughs> I yeah, just before we before we start the episode, which we will in a moment, um, because it's getting late and we're all getting a bit hysterical. Um, I think that this is one of Perry's I know it's her first episode, but I think once once they get into the action on the planet, this is one of her better episodes. Mm, um but mm-hmm. she's she shows um a lot of sort of ingenuity and resolve and she knows that she can influence chameleon and she is um refusing to be hypnotized by the master which is always good don't you just love the way she uh cons the doctor into taking her with her like you know yeah have all this leave i was saying i was going on holiday to my folks so they won't miss me yeah she's got three months yeah three months in a time machine Mm. would be three years couldn't it Malkin's been shot. Have you started the episode? Yeah. Oh, have we started it? 
Not that I know of, but we no. better oh, sorry. <laughs> Will you rewind, please? <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. To be honest, Malcolm being shot, you don't that's not going to make much of a difference because he's not much of a, a not a very dynamic character, is he? Really? Does Malcolm get a, shot? He's a bit uh, of a drip. Oh no. Well anyway, when, when we when we left, um, the master had been sorry. welcomed. As the as the outsider, the the savior of the um of the land, from the oh, just one other thing that I wanted to say because I thought about this the other day before I forget it is that do you think that San suffers from sort of small Star Wars planet syndrome? What's that? Well, it's that planets in the Star Wars universe seem to be very very small because instead of going to different countries to meet different sorts of people, they all go to different planets. Oh, <laughs> and they seem to only have one kind of society, yeah, one on them. settlement. Yeah, yeah, yes. and and then you know, and they, and they go to another planet to do this and another planet to do that. Where whereas it, and th this one with the, I know that it's a volcanic planet and it's it's, um, the population has been reduced, but the population of the planet fits into one room. <laughs> yes. It's the sort of thing that Robert Holmes says brilliantly in Reboss Operation, isn't it? Where he says, Oh, yeah, just say we're from the north. And it means yeah. there's another part yeah. of the planet that we just yeah. never get to see. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. It does suffer from small planets in Jurassic But he doesn't do that for Power of Krull, where basically they set up a refinery right next to a group of, you know, indigenous um, peoples where they've mm. got this i know it's a moon so it's not that big but it's they could have you know put it somewhere else where there weren't any people there and causing trouble with the the you know making the the locals a bit what what they call the swampies mm. the swampies yeah. Yeah. he does make a great sucky squid slop his way out of the mud which is amazing yes oh. lots of <laughs> tentacles yes <laughs> Well, well, I suppose we better watch, the, watch this episode then. Yeah, sorry, I have rewinded. No, Lucy, right. you said between episodes that we weren't talking too much about what the content, so now you're in charge, all right? No, so absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You've got to keep so, us in So when we when we left when we left, um, the doctor and his newfound friends were about to be um, put to the flames, <gasps> and the the comedian in his form of the master, looking very sharp in a sharp suit, an inexplicable sharp suit, um, is. <laughs> has been hailed by Timonov the priest as the outsider who will save the planet, and so he's ordering them all to be executed. And off we go. That sounds absolutely riveting. Yep. Should I count us in? Yep. Uh, five, four, three, two. Dave, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> See this doctor sorry. Oh, sorry, is that what you meant? <laughs> Do you know what? I've been sitting here wondering what's going to happen to Malcon. you know, in this episode. He ends up in Howard's way. <laughs> oh, does it? Yeah. Ended up in Howard's way. I think that's the only other thing I've ever seen him in. Can I ask what is Howard's way? Because I've never seen it. It's a very. It's a very boring eighties um, drama starring Morris Colborne, who played Lytton, um, who's oh. in charge of a boatyard. Basically, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday nights in in the nineteen eighties, you had. You had the Antiques Roadshow, which is still going on there. You had Last of the Summer Wine and you had Howard's Way. So you had a load of antiques, three old three old gits going down the Yorkshire Dales in a in a tin bath and a boatyard. And people say TV's boring now. The Summer Wine <laughs> team, <tea> right? <laughs> He's going to see us. Me, Fraser and Si are Compo, Foggy and Clegg. 
So who does that make us? I hope that doesn't make me Nora Batty. <laughs> yeah, you're Nora Batty. Dave, you're uh, the fella who's with the woman who's out off sleeping with everyone in the village. Or Howard and Marina. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, and can you be for a herd, Lucy? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'll put a newspaper down for you. Uh, that bit where Glenda, her daughter, says, that Marina has nice shoes. You weren't brought up to like nice shoes. <laughs> <laughs> We just had a wonderful um, line there where some where the guy just went, "Doctor, help us!" Well, we can like he could just yeah the, get out. the guy with the long hair. He's not. He he sounds more, more like he should be on Grange Hill rather than on, on an alien planet. He's got <laughs> yeah, a bit of a bit of a an estuary accent or sort of Essex sort of or Londonish sort of accent. He's just a day player. He didn't think he was going to get any dialogue. Oh, well, lots of planets have. I mean, if lots of planets have a north, then lots of planets must have an estuary as well. <laughs> yes. Don't tell me lots of planets have an Essex. I don't see why not. My other half from Essex, you watch your mouth. All right. So am I. Oh, yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> it's a lovely place. <laughs> Marvellous. The only way is Essex. They yeah. filmed Carnival of Monsters in Essex, didn't they? That's that's those those lovely marshes are, are Essex, mm. I think. But we're not you know what? I mean, I mean, we've talked about Doctor Who filming in Essex. We've talked about Doctor Who filming in Lanzarote. Why on earth this day? I'm just plugging my own, my own uh, origin here. Why on earth have they never filmed an episode in Scotland yet? That's just ridiculous. Get up here, Russell T. Davies. Well, they, the they episodes... filmed in, in the fake Scotland, didn't they? Sussex. <laughs> yeah, but they could come up here. And Wales. Tooth and Claw. That's that's supposed to be that's supposed to be Scotland. That's supposed to be near near Aberdeen. I can't think why not, Dave, because it's just so beautiful in Scotland. I cannot yeah. think I wouldn't. To be fair, with the prices of trains these days, it's probably cheaper to film <laughs> in South Africa than film in Scotland. If they're bloody running, that is. <laughs> so the master's having a battle of wills now with the priest who decided that he's going, oh, and there, Malcolm oh, gets shot for the second well, time. Well, I never saw that coming. No. <laughs> oh, and yeah, oh, <laughs> Do you know the bit where Peter Davison says to Chameleon, strings cut? And, you know, he has that sort of psychological... Yeah. I can remember watching this with my mum, you know. She was quite impressed with that. And trust me, to impress her, it took a lot. Um, she was like, oh, well, this is a nice psychological angle for Doctor Who. I went, yeah, stick around. It don't last long. You know, but she did like that scene. Yeah. But he's also... Also, the master, of course, is, is revealing himself as being evil because he's saying, oh, don't mind the boy. That's just been shot. <laughs> All those shorts were quite tight there. Sorry. Oh, no. Look, we've just had an exposition coma. He went, Chameleon is the master, and then fainted. <laughs> well, that was what he went in to say. He just didn't have a... He said that this man is an imposter, but he didn't get... But oh, he did get... On, doctor. He got his exposition out just in time before yes. he fainted. The key plot points, you know? I didn't like his cardigan, but I think Davison looks really cool with his uh, braces and just the shot. Yeah, I agree, actually. Do you know, the master's beard, though, it looks like a bit of carpet, doesn't it? It doesn't look at all convincing. Is it fake? In this? Does it match yeah, the rug yeah. on his head? Is he wearing a rug? <laughs> yeah, he wore... It was certainly waving in the wind. And didn't he wear... Two. I think the idea was that he had, he had his own toupee and then they put a wig on top of it, I think. I could be wrong. Oh, I know. God. I mean, no, yeah, it's, it's, it is definitely a wig that he's wearing. 
but I think because he 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 it was like you you can't you can't say that he's wearing a wig so you have to put the wig that you, he wears for the master on top of the actual wig that he's wearing did you hear what the doctor just said then psychomorphic fringing I think that's what they call the CSO in the 70s you know yes <laughs> <laughs> It still looks impressive, though, don't you think? I think these sets are... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really, yeah, they're really good they sets. definitely match the location. Mm -hmm. And, like, don't they manage to pull off an actual volcano erupting at one point? Yes. Yeah. Well, there's certainly there's certainly steam coming through <laughs> the vents in the, the ground at various points, mm. which must have been quite alarming if you had to be acting amidst it. <laughs> and you're wearing shorts. Well, yes. <laughs> You know, the master's in that set, right? Uh, you know, screaming out his orders. I thought, are we supposed to just think he's in this TARDIS, you know, in a device? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yes, yeah. that's, the, yeah. Or in a, because he says something about TARDIS, and he, so we're meant to think that there's something wrong with his TARDIS, that he needs the bit from the doctors to fix it. Well, he's in there wearing his hair dryer. He's having his hair done. Yeah. That's his... <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Well, it does make it a great twist then when we open the box. And... <laughs> It's time. Yeah, he gets that's. Oh, I'll not spoil it, but that's his other cliffhanger. And uh, now the master is back again. As looks a bit drunk, there, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Does this get a bit tiresome though? All of this, you know, Chameleon is the master. Is Howard? Is this? Is that? I like... find it more confusing than anything. I, I... Yeah, um, the cave is screening the thought control, so it's one of these. Uh, that's yeah. Oh, so now he gets to camp it up again. Over yes. the years, I've dreamt of a million exquisite tortures to have in your final moments, Doctor. Like, Anthony, there was a couple of lines in this I thought they were Pip and Jean Baker around because there was some really colourful lines uh, when I watched it the other day. Oh, come on, Perry, save the day. We love Perry. I think you're right as well. She's got a lot of agency in this. She's very strong she in has. this. Yes, and I she's... don't think she's ever as strong as this again, which is a shame. I think possibly mind warp. I think she's pretty. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the audios. She's she gets a new Lisa Leaf. Oh, mm. amazingly good. And I think like that leans into her and Colin Baker's sort of established relationship over sort of twenty years. Oh yeah. So their chemistry is just, and they're like, no, fuck this. We ain't gonna play this full of conflict anymore we're gonna we're gonna make it so we're the, the best of friends and we're going off and and doing these adventures together it's really nice yeah but even on the screen they've got good chemistry it's just that the 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 script editor is determined to make them at each other's throats all the time which i think is is a shame hmm. and what you've got with Dave, davison and nicola bryan is they're just like equals from the off mm. oh yeah but then you get them landing on um with the uh, Jack on the name of the planet, which I've forgotten, Androzani Minor, Androzani Minor, Andrazani Minor. Yeah. Minor. and yeah. and immediately they're arguing with each other. It's like, well, where did that come from, Mister Script Editor, who thinks that people have to argue with each other all the time for it to be dramatic? Yeah, because <laughs> Robert Holmes, I'm, I bet you Robert Holmes just went, I'm not writing that. I'm just going to have them getting on. You see that hippie there to the left with sort of the long, <laughs> the long dark yeah. hair. Doctor, help us, man! Yeah, yes, he's the, the yeah the wooden one. He's very cute, though, isn't he? Apparently, he was he's... was he not in, in one of the soaps or something? Apparently, before this, ah, he was like a heart from in one of the soaps. Or... Yeah, I can cover. see it. I can see it. I buy him a drink. 
<laughs> I was going to say he's very sort of Duran Duran video, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a very eighties look. Oh my god, this bit. You don't understand, Doctor. I think Malcon is my brother. Oh, you mean like we're in an episode of EastEnders now, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it's all heightened, isn't it, for that? Did they glue his eyebrows on? Who, Mark Strickson? Yeah. I think they no, it's because he's, he's blonde, but they only dye his hair. Well, they did, they did do, his... no, but they did do something to his eyebrows to make him to try and make him look a bit more alien because the, the, oh, okay. the chap who oh, comes god. in the end, in the last episode, has got sort of peculiar-looking eyebrows as well. They should have just went all out and done the ones in The Invisible Enemy with the Ushi. Still with the silver, silver ones, yes. <laughs> silver, yeah. That is standing behind Peter Davidson right now needs to move because that camel toe is <laughs> so apparent in that close-up. Oh, my word. There's still a bit of hairy chest on display. I'm quite impressed with the representation of uh, hot men, Yeah. I'm there for it. That's hot on um what's what's the planet called again? Sun. Sun, sorry, yeah. But are we suffering from like episode three fatigue at this point? Like does is the plot really going anywhere? It kind of is, but I think this is the point where it's sort of because the characters are being split (laughs) off into groups. There isn't kind of the, yes, somebody's been shot, Perry's been kidnapped. They're all going to lift the Master's TARDIS, which is a column that's fallen over. Um, it it kind of feels like it's almost, dra- it oughtn't to feel like it's dragging because yeah. it, because there's a lot happening, but it, but it it's doesn't not... seem to be happening very quickly. Yeah, what is happening yeah. is not all that dynamic. I think you said earlier, Daniel, didn't you? There's a lot of instant, but there's just not a lot of emotion. No. I, I don't, you know, this there's having these conversations between the Doctor and Turlow, but it's not, there's not really, yeah, like you say, Eric Sayward doesn't go for emotion other than oh, sniping at each other or that, anger. That, whereas... that isn't the most, um, sorry, the most convincing, this is very heavy acting when they put the, the <laughs> no. column up there. <laughs> it ain't the most convincing. It's oh. not the most convincing, this is very heavy pillar, is it, really? Not really. No, but when, to be fair, when Anthony Ailey done it earlier, he, he, he kind of sold it, but these guys, no. Nah, just... I don't know if you saw in the background, they weren't the most convincing volcanic backdrop either in that studio. <laughs> There's me going on about this. the production value. And in part two, when it landed on his head. <laughs> this whole, to make the master, because he's evil and that, we'll just make the master's target black. What is Why? that about? Like... There is absolutely no... They should have, Basically, seen, they should have just done the same set. He's advertising the fact that he's evil. Yeah. I liked the... the 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 um, oh, What was it? Colony in Space one where he had filing cabinets. I mean, what, <laughs> yes. more, what more proof of evil do you need that he's got... In his TARDIS, he's got torture tubes and filing cabinets. I liked him um, <laughs> during Spyfall when he had that sort of study with just the console in the middle. Yeah. Oh, Something a bit functional. It must have taken them ages to just paint that whole set for white. Yeah. No reason. But I also just noticing that sort of there was a bit earlier with, with Malcolm having the, the necklace that's the transmitter thing, the key. Mm-hmm. Timonoff has got cogwheels on yeah. his. Yeah. Um, yes, he has. So they've, it's all like the sort of cargo cult thing, isn't it? Making things 
objects of worship out of things that are meant to have another function. Well, they're leaning into that idea, aren't they, of a religious society that has been created out of something technological. Mm. I think Face of Evil did that idea a lot better. Mm-hmm. And and sort of the whole uh, religion versus science and the two sides and the survey team. And it was just, it was a more, it was sort of a denser approach to the same material. Whereas here, it's sort of thrown in the mix with all this other stuff. And it's interesting. There's not a lot of time to explore it, really. No. And this is another guy in the TARDIS who... Peter Davison said, I seem to have everyone going in the TARDIS and just accepting it very... <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I don't remember seeing him going, oh, my God, it's a... this is a temple or something. I know he's not a believer, but... Although it is true with the new series as well, like after sort of Rose and yeah. then the companions get the moment, but then a lot of the other guest characters and they just sort of go, oh, that's bigger on the inside. And it's with... a safe time, obviously, but it's, yeah. Oh, it's... the tissue compression eliminator or as Janet Fielding says, uh, <laughs> a very rude <laughs> Yes, well. I think I've got a few tissue compression eliminators. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> wrong crowd. And here, here they are in the volcano. Yeah, this is another really good set, I think. And, and very well lit as well. Yes. And in a minute, there's a bit where she stamps on the master's foot like a fucking wily e. coyote and goes dashing about. And the way Fiona Cumming directs it, it seems like it's vast because she's going up and down sort of corridors and things. Yeah. She kicked his leg earlier as well, didn't she? And then she realised it was a metal leg. And Yes. Yeah. You know what's weird, though, is I've, I've said that I think the production value is really good in this. I do think this is Fiona Cummings' weakest direction of the four she did. Uh, Castro Valve, a Snake Dance, Enlightenment, I think are all better directed. Yes. And Planet of I Fire. I mean, both, Sorry, both Snake Dance and Enlightenment are fairly much all in studio. Mm. They've got a bit of yeah. film, but that's all done at Ealing. So, um, Castro Valve, you got the the outside scenes in part two and three. Um, I, yeah, maybe her strengths are in sort of more studio work, where it's all very more contained. And um, I remember somebody saying about Snake Dance when there's a really good piece of direction where it's Ambrel and. Chaler are talking about the Mara and the, the the word as soon as Ambrose says the word evil, Lon Martin Clunes's character sort of comes into shot in the background between them. It's mm. really quite creepy and sort of. I mean, I don't think it's badly directed, but I don't think it's. I think maybe, like you say, it's not as it's not as well thought out as as the other as Enlightenment, which has some really really stunning ideas and stunning set pieces i do wonder if sometimes the directors get like fatigue and it's like chris Clark, who i think directs some really good stories and then silver nemesis his last story it's almost like he's just phoned out completely mm-hmm. just point the camera at them set some sparks off let the sidemen stomp about and that's that and lucy i'm going to say this and i know you <laughs> don't hit me all right um <laughs> peter moffitt uh, I think he has the reverse. I think he starts really strong with State of Decay. And, well, you know what I think after that. Yeah. 
However, you gave a rousing defence of his direction of the visitation. <laughs> yeah. I think the visitation is quite a well well directed story. I think he's still got. I don't think it's as good a state of, a state of decay, but there's some. I, I I really enjoyed the visitation. I think it's a really good strong story. This second here, where they all go into the TARDIS, this could be a story in its own right. Yeah. People yeah. that are expecting to see a miracle going into this miraculous machine. Like you could do a whole story with that. Yeah, I think this suffers a bit from the extra acting because there's three or four of them just there, just, you know, I'm here, but th there's no there's no acting on their faces, if you know what I mean. Yeah, when's lunchtime? <laughs> Although then the, the bit where Turlow says, that, oh, Doctor, it's a man in a thermal suit, like that feels a bit patronising to the the religious characters that are there. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah. kind of, I think the other thing about um, the the with Lena and her tribes um th th is the idea of and in state of decay as well the idea of sort of social regression from um uh, mechanized society back to something else whereas in this case these are supposed to be the indigenous people of this planet and that's where it gets sort of it just feels kind of uncomfortable these days to be like, oh, well, these put the you know these these un unenlightened people worshiping machines and they don't know any better, kind of thing. Whereas before, with the other ones, it was something happened in this place and these people are like this because it just because it's a it sort of and it was played out with the swampies as well and the others. I mean, how many planets are you going to land on where you've got people enthralled to technology that they don't understand? It, it's, it gets a bit uncomfortable, I think. You know that that bit of set the doctor, the master just took off then and started pressing buttons? That is exactly the same piece of equipment that in episode two of Earthshock, where no, episode four, sorry, where they're trying to stop the, the time. Shift. It's precisely the same triangle bit that he takes off, and it's precisely the same buttons that they press. Well, oh, it's a control, control panel. It's a control panel. They're getting some use of it. You know what we were saying earlier about um, all instant, no emotion? But I think what they do in this story, they save it all for episode four. And I think yeah. all those moments land. You get the master's death that lands, the doctor's reaction to that, Turlo leaving, which is an emotional moment, Perry joining, which is cheeky. Jeez, we haven't got to watch it now, have we? I've just spoiled yeah. it. I'm so sorry. Oh, but we've, we've, just had a, we've just had a revelation, a, a, a plot revelation of um, the... Uh, priest saying that the blue flame from the volcano is um is logar showing his mercy on the sick ah. so now we know that the the doctor um and the doctor is also saying uh suggesting that uh turlo knows more about the place than he's than he's letting on doesn't he say to him now if you this bit, anything, yes yeah, yeah. Says the like master, our friendship's at an end. That's a good moment. Yeah, it is. He should have said that to um, two stories or three stories ago. Yeah, <laughs> in my opinion. But uh... or in uh, enlightenment, he should have said, "If you try and kill me one more time, <laughs> yeah, or you're out." Oh, I don't know. It's don't talk to any men with strange birds on their head. <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice to anyone, you know. Yes. 
when I recorded the Armageddon Factor commentary, Fraser Gregory turned up with a bloody bird on his head. Oh, that was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> was it a cuddly turkey or something like that? <laughs> fabulous. Almost as funny as that time he turned up with a duvet around his shoulders when he did the Dominator. Oh, <laughs> yes. that was well, he does like to dress for the occasion. You know, we did budget cosplay in Planet of Evil. <laughs> well, how yeah. could you cosplay in Planet of Fire? Just take your clothes off. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, most most of the most of the uh, the tribe seem to be wearing cut off tracksuit bottoms. Very short shorts, yes. And t-shirts, and they it, it. That's the other thing about the 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 thing is that the the setting and the sets are are great. I think the mm. the control rooms and the caves and and everything. And and obviously it's in an amazing environment, but there's something about the costumes that just looks a little bit school nativity play. I was going to make a suggestion. Would you would you indulge me for a second, <laughs> Lucy? Why are you scared right now? <laughs> I was just going to say dress in black and get your dildo out, and you could be the master. You know. <laughs> I was. I... No, I, could, I shouldn't say what popped in my head, but we saw the tissue compression eliminator throbbing there when the alien used to. I think I know what's going on in your head right now. All right. <laughs> it's oh, so no, I know what you mean, because is it Amiant who stood next to Peter Davison? He does look a little bit sort of, you know, yeah. like he should be singing Little Donkey or yeah. Wild Shepherds. Oh, now, the big reveal. <laughs> oh. The big reveal. The master is teeny. And he gets another line. Oh, escape from my slave. You will obey me or, or die. die. <laughs> man, oh man, they're hamming it up in this one. <laughs> but what I love is that after her initial sort of, what the hell, oh my God, it's him. She's like, yeah, right. <laughs> you come <laughs> out here and say that. Yeah, oh. you spare my life. The bit where she gets her shoe off and starts chasing him about is fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also it's also real, isn't it? I mean, he's he's having this he's this huge grandiose villain, but he's about this big, so of course yeah. she's not scared of him. So is he emasculated a bit in this? No more than he is in Mark of the Rani. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I cut it there. Okay. 